I'm just gonna let you know right off, like right off rip. I would have never done this for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I very much appreciate this. If you'd have told me to wake my ass up for uh, for seven o'clock uh, to hop on and talk to people about uh, a multi billionaire buying a social media platform, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. So I really. Do appreciate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I appreciate uh, your uh, your stick to itiveness. No thanks. No, I, I appreciate the invitation, and honestly, like I, uh, I need more of these uh, incentives to mm-hmm. to wake up early because it's like I feel like it's important to get an early jump on the day, or else I will end up, you know, editing uh, until like four a.m. You know, like whereas oh, yeah, this yeah. kind of forces me to live a regular schedule. So yeah. I wish more East Coasties and and other Coasties would uh, um, encourage me to to appear on uh, regularly appointed <laughs> uh, scheduled uh, events like this. I appreciate it. And and hey, here's uh, here's our co-host Karen. How's it going? Hey, Karen? hey. Sorry, I was running late. Uh, how are you guys? Uh, we're good. Everything okay over there? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a barbecue, actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, Wait, you're doing a barbecue in the middle a little... of the day like this? Uh, yes, actually. Because today oh, is actually one of my last days because I'm starting I'm starting a new job. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get it done today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, congratulations. Um, thank you. New I know beginnings. it's not a big deal over there in Hawaii, but we are, the fact that we're not snowed under right now is a huge deal. So you take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh how are you, Mikey? I'm I'm doing well. Um, I'm 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 just, I'm gonna put on a pot of coffee. Um, what is and, it like? Six a.m. Um, over there? Uh, it's, it's well, it's like seven thirty. But yeah, I've, I've been up since uh, like uh, uh, five. So okay. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to keep up with all of us East Coasters. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> so. Um, uh, yeah, so um so, unlike yeah, before, Twitter is now going to be owned by oligarchs, hey? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a completely different situation than we were in yesterday, the day before that, and the day before that, where it was not owned yeah. by billionaire oligarchs. No, of course not. It was owned by the people, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a public utility or something like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, a little bit of housekeeping as well before we uh, get into the meat of the conversation. So I have been informed that if you are listening to the show on the web, but you aren't logged into an account, it actually doesn't count towards our listenership numbers. So a favor, and you don't have to do this, it's just a favor that we're asking you, and if you can, please do, is if you uh, create an account, like create a call-in account and log into it and listen to our show, it actually will count towards our listenership numbers, which we need because once they eventually introduce advertising and they will introduce advertising, you all know the deal when it comes to tech platforms and, you know, how, how they manage to monetize, um, you know, a show like this can really only stick around if it's attracting a listenership and uh, the only one that counts is people that are logged into their accounts. So if you can do that, please do. If you don't feel like it, you don't have to, but we would appreciate it. Yeah, and once 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 uh, Twitter collapses like Tumblr, you're gonna want to be able to say that you were one of the first people uh, who jumped out the column before it was yeah, exactly. cool. Before it was cool, that's right. Uh, you're uh, you know you you've gone from like Tumblr refugees to no sorry went from LiveSpace refugees to Facebook refugees to Tumblr refugees to Twitter refugees and now yeah um, the column refugee ship doesn't happen for another ten years or so. So uh, yeah. Um, well, I used to be on Orchid. I don't know if any of you guys were oh on my Orchid God. Like back in the day. I, you remember I, that? <laughs> I only know high-functioning alcoholics that were on Orchid. And I'm, not even, <laughs> I'm not even joking when I say like, that's those are the only people that know that were on there. 
Apparently, there was a huge uh, contingent of Pakistanis and Brazilians. For some reason, the whole place was run by Pakistanis and Brazilians. I don't know why, but what like half the my family was and there. Brazilians so. have in common, like I, I don't know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Orchid, apparently. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Elon Musk tenders a forty-four billion dollar offer, which comes in at well above Twitter's market cap. Um. I'm not sure if like people are aware of this, but Twitter was never really a profitable company to begin with. They have been working in search of a profit this entire time, and it's mostly come from advertisers. They've begun to monetize various aspects of the Twitter experience. So uh, there's monetizable spaces, there's super follows, and other sundry means of... Uh, oh, yeah, and Twitter Blue, other sundry means of like squeezing money out of the users um and that's pretty much like the that's the model that most uh startups um vc companies run on is that or companies that are backed by vc money run on is that they will uh spend a whole lot of money um both in marketing and in development like app and web development to build a, a as large an audience as possible and then use both the metrics from all the data that they've pulled on that audience, as well as the sheer size of the audience itself to market themselves to advertisers and third-party companies. So where we are right now is that uh, Twitter's uh, former CEO, Jack Dorsey, after he stepped down, he left a bit of a mess for uh, the, uh, the future and perhaps last uh, public CEO, uh, Parag Agarwal. And uh, given that Twitter didn't exactly have a didn't exactly have a model or a provable model that was going to uh, continue to brand them as a growth investment, which I mean, most of these tech companies that's what they are. They're investments that sell really well on the promise of future earnings to investors. Um, they're not stable companies that pay dividends like say banks. So if you're not growing, basically you're dying. And given that uh, Twitter is no longer cracking the top 10 in terms of the most downloaded apps in mobile stores, so both in the, uh, the, the App Store on Apple and uh, Google Play, you won't find Twitter in the top 10. It, it goes uh, TikTok and then Instagram and YouTube. Facebook is in that top 10. So is Snapchat. It actually really surprised me that Snapchat is, uh, is like outlasting Twitter right now. Um, after Instagram brought in their live moments, everyone assumed that uh, Snapchat was going to die immediately but apparently still hanging in there and doing way better than twitter uh so musk basically tendered an offer that they could not refuse it came in like i said well above their uh, their market capitalization um and the board would have been absolutely foolish not to accept that so i guess the only uh, bit of reservation here is that uh, the same dude who once canceled a tesla order because uh somebody made a mean blog post about him uh, who once called the cops on a student reporter and said that he almost killed one of Tesla's employees, has accused other reporters of stalking, harassment, assault, etc. To say that that person is any sort of uh, champion of free speech is utterly laughable to me, but hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to see uh, how much uh, Elon Musk is in invested in free speech uh once people start talking about like unionizing their 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 uh the tesla factory uh i, w- I want to see how he he feels about free speech when it comes to you know uh criticizing however it is he sources his lithium <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Um, I mean, also, yeah. um, oh no, I was going to say that, um, you know, a lot of these tech uh, corporations, they're always, they always are started. I mean, even Dorsey, I remember back in the day, Zuckerberg, all these guys back in the day were all about free speech, all about, you know, the, the sort of democratization of the media and blah, blah, blah. That's what they always say when they start out, because that's the, that's the drive. It's that sort of libertarian, you know, that, that dream of like, oh, some space where we can, everybody can just say whatever they want and there's going to be no accountability and no nothing. And, and the thing is that, you know, for various reasons, they can't or won't be able to continue that, especially once advertisers start getting involved and once, you know, there is money that is on the, on the, uh, you know, that's at stake. So when it's just their own money and they're just playing around with like venture capital or something, that's one thing. But once they actually start getting any kind of, you know, actual uh, viewership, it, it always changes. It inevitably stops being about that. And it starts being about how they can comply to make sure that advertisers don't get sued. That's how it always is. The concern that I have is not so much who owns Twitter, because frankly, you know, uh, you had investors um, all the way from, uh, you know, your, your, your average uh, Silicon Valley ghouls uh, to your Saudi Arabian princelings. Um, it's not as if the ownership of Twitter, uh, or at least the, uh, the, the makeup of the board and the people who had the largest shares of Twitter, it's not like they were the most savory characters either. But I guess what kind of worries me is the idea that Elon Musk now has access to all of your DMs in, in your whole search history. So I'm looking forward to the most epic this use of all time. Yeah, I mean, God, just imagine someone as as petty <laughs> as as Elon Musk uh, with with the, that kind of control, um, and 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 also even just like kind of the lack of of kind of like basic discipline of of you know being uh, the CEO of a business where they 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 literally have to be like reprimanded by their their shareholders and uh, uh, you know told that they're like violating labor laws uh, with tweets. Uh, you know, go, going on like like uh, shroomer acid trips and just like tweeting about stock prices. Like, imagine that type of personality with the keys to the castle. And yeah, that's that's incredibly dangerous. Um, and they'll probably violate all kinds of uh, new laws. Yeah, in terms of digital privacy, especially. So the um, I'm not sure how how much uh, everybody in the room keeps up with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, um, but. They they had a really good article that they wrote. Uh, I forget how many years ago this was. It was probably about like a year and a half, two years ago, on what they call shadow regulations. And that is, um, they're not regulations that are written like that are codified by any sort of legislative body. They're agreements between companies. Uh, so they might be called, let's say, like a terms of service or principles, guidelines, code of conduct, yada yada yada. And regardless of <clears throat> what you actually sign. Uh, when you agree to the terms of service, there may be uh, there may be a, a code of conduct that the companies have like that that already exists, say between the uh, the largest shareholders, people who attend the board meetings, etc. And uh, the the idea is that these regulations to restrict speech are fairly, I, I would say, well known. For example, I got. A twelve-hour timeout from Twitter. It, it came into effect last night at around three a.m. And I know this because I was up at three a.m. And I'm going to be banned, or I'm, suspe I'm suspended from Twitter temporarily until three p.m. because I tweeted at Jeff Bezos 
this fucking worm who's now out here in the posting mines along with the rest of us plebs. Uh, he, was, he was talking about whether China has gained leverage over Twitter through its through Elon Musk's connections, i.e. Elon Musk sells Tesla in China. Oh, so, that fucking pissed me off. Like, yeah. So, so I, Anyway, so go I, on. I responded, you know, I hope LDJ5, I hope the LDJ5 workers kick you in the dick this week. And what that's referring to is that, so uh, at the the Amazon warehouse that unionized at the beginning of the month, uh, known as JFK8, there's another fulfillment center directly across the street, um, known internally as uh, as LDJ5. And the uh, LDJ5 warehouse it has a union vote this week, which is what all the, uh, the commotion was about in front of the warehouse. You might have seen like Bernie Sanders out there speaking to an audience and uh, you saw a picture of uh, Chris Smalls along with uh, Bernie and AOC. Yeah, the reason for all of the fanfare is because they're holding a vote this week. Um, and I, I hope they win. So metaphorically, I hope they kick him in the dick. But because there are <laughs> rules against uh, violent speech on Twitter, again, one of those, uh, you know, it's in the terms of service, but also code of conduct. I'm not allowed to tell a billionaire that I hope his workers, like, Sacrament the balls, so uh, there's there's that, but there's also like a chill on speech that comes into effect when you know that you have to avoid a certain type of speech in order to not violate the terms of service, and these can be loosely interpreted. Interpreted, they can be very loosely interpreted. So you can talk about, for example, what's uh, what's actually happening in Ukraine. You can talk about the fact that a uh, a member of the Azov Battalion. Uh, attended the Greek parliament um, that, you know, everyone's like uh, remorse and, and pity for Mariupol and, to, and um, making these desperate pleas to save Mariupol. Well, that's basically saying like, we want to put this town back into the hands of, of Nazis that were using people as human shields. Uh, you can't say those things, or at least you can't say them outright or else you risk suspension. So uh, that that's uh, as far as the EFF is concerned, they they'll call it, you know, regulation of hate speech. They'll the uh, companies will re- restrict legal products, um, and the the problem with these uh, these shadow agreements is that the average person has no ability to mold or shape the world around them. They don't operate. Uh, they don't operate on the discourse. They can they can speak, but they can't shape what the discourse looks like fully because all of it is being moderated. Um, by companies that are completely unaccountable to the public. And when they suspend people or shut them down, so when um, Russians with Attitude, Scott Ritter, uh, the, uh, I forget the name of like the, uh, the AFB, basically there was like this, uh, this military account that was like posting. Uh, AS, ASB military. ASB military, that's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were posting videos from a Telegram channel um, on Twitter showing what's happening on the ground. Uh, they were one of the groups that, that helped debunk the Snake Island 13 myth. Um, they were probably the first group to pick up on the fact that uh, that uh, that the che- that uh, uh, Kadyrov's Chechens had essentially uh, dispersed the Azov Battalion in Mariupol and that they were, they were, they were flying Chechen flags with Ramzan Kadyrov's face over town halls, like over like prosecutors' buildings and such, which was, I mean, absolutely hilarious to me, considering that uh, the Azov Battalion was, uh, they posted this threatening video on Twitter saying that, uh, that you know this is what that's coming to Kadyrov's orcs, 
and they were dipping bullets in pig fat uh, before loading them into rifles. As if, like, you shoot a Muslim with a bullet dipped in pig grease and they just evaporate like a vampire exposed to holy water. So, uh, yeah, like, you can't you can't post stuff like that, uh, otherwise your account will get suspended. Now, obviously, there is a need for terms of service. Like, you should not be able to, you know, call for harassment of a person or call for a person's murder. You shouldn't be able to make violent threats against people. But at the same time, what what should normally be protected speech is increasingly getting classified under the rubric of misinformation. And then not only is the speech, uh, not only is the speech restricted by, let's say, deleting a post or offering people time out, but people's accounts are getting terminated altogether, which then puts a chill on everybody else in the way that they talk. So while we we don't uh, we don't enact laws that explicitly forbid a certain type of speech, there is still a type of coerced speech where you don't necessarily have to pass a law in order to get people to comply with it. All you have to do is just make a few uh, a few highly visible examples, and everybody else falls into line. Yeah, I think. Um, gosh, this gets into a lot about how uh, kind of the capitalist ruling class use these platforms that we rely on to communicate with each other and to learn about what's actually going on in the world to, to mediate what are the acceptable boundaries of reality, right? Like uh, what, what, uh, what kind of uh, truths are allowed and, and what, yeah, like what you were saying, like what is considered disinformation because it presents a counter hegemonic narrative, right? Like the moment that anyone even posts, anything that is, uh, you know, uh, detailing the graphic violence committed by Nazis or against oppressed people like Roma people uh, in Ukraine, they are immediately disciplined. uh, And they either lose their accounts or they get rate limited or shadow banned. Uh, A mainstream narrative gets to continue to proliferate even if it's literal Nazis spreading Nazi propaganda. Like, I, I actually just posted a video. Uh, I mean, I, I posted basically screen caps of the the Blue Check Ukraine Twitter page reposting a video that they had taken down at the request of Japanese imperialists for including Emperor Hirohito's face oh alongside... <laughs> I would simply fascists. never apologize to Japan for calling them fascists. It just wouldn't <laughs> exactly. happen. Well, I mean, it was it was uh, inter-fascist community violence, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, so they're like, uh, you know, in in trademark drill fashion, it's like I'm trying to take it down, and so they they, they reposted it with just with just uh, Hitler and Mussolini's face <laughs> without Hirohito, um, and so just by posting that. Uh, I was tagged with a content warning advisory for people. So I think there may be like a screen over, you know, a mosaic with a Gaussian blur over the actual content of my post, just pointing out that these fascists at the request of other fascists took off the face of a fascist from their video that was basically spreading yeah. This uh, racist propaganda about Russians as as practicing Russism, which is their reinterpretation of of, what of the fuck uh, ra- is Russism. Yeah, it's it. Russism is like a portmanteau of Russia oh, and racism. Russian racism. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. so yeah. corny. Oh, oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But here's the thing is like their video doesn't have a warning advisory over it. Only my post pointing out that their video is historically revisionist in like, uh, I would say a genocidally fascist way, <laughs> just yeah. pointing that out. Oh, no, I mean, you can, if you're, uh, if you are, um, if you're aligned with the United States, you can have yourself a little misinformation as a treat. So you can completely not only like disregard history, but you, you can totally rewrite it and say that Ukrainians were the ones who really fought against the fascists. Now, this is, I mean, this is, uh, we're dancing on a bit of a, a, a thin line here. So let me clarify what I mean by that. The Ukrainian army fielded a million people uh, in the fight against Hitler. And uh, it was the largest contingent of the Red Army. Uh, so the Ukrainians do deserve plenty of credit for the fight against fascism. The issue is the current iteration of the Ukrainian military has nothing to do with the Ukrainian SSR's contribution to the Red Army. They, not, not only that, the they have actively denounced the U.S. Uh, the the Ukrainian SSR military. That's exa- yeah, they that's have exactly actively where I'm going with it. They're they're much more brought down. Like they're the much symbols. more the descendants of the OUNB than anything to do with the Ukrainian SSR. Ukraine, as it stands right now, is backed by ultranationalists and historical revisionists that would have people believe that there was such a thing as a double genocide, that uh, Stalin killed just as many people as Hitler, if not more. And uh, to to capitalize on that, they usually raise uh, the famine that happened in Ukraine. Um, they, they categorize it as a purposeful act on Stalin's part to deliberately starve out uh, the Ukrainian population and that uh, there's been a long-standing animosity, uh, like a hatred almost, between Ukrainians and Russians because Russians have been imperialistic towards Ukrainians. Now, there's, there is a history of Russian imperialism under the Russian Empire, but the Russian Empire was toppled during the revolution of 1917 and the subsequent revolutions thereafter. There there was not only concessions made to Ukraine uh, in terms of uh, repopulation, but also land that was given to Ukraine. And actually, Putin refers to this uh, multiple times in speeches and says that, you know, well, for whatever reason, uh, Lenin saw fit and Stalin saw fit and Khrushchev saw fit to grant these territories over to Ukraine. And the purpose of that was to was to ensure that Ukraine would always be self-sustained, that it would have the necessary resources in terms of agriculture, mining, etc., that within the country itself, it would be self-sustaining. But all of that gets lost in these conversations about fascism and World War II, etc., because most people aren't taught much about World War II, except for what the West's contributions were to it. One rather large tidbit of information that tends to make it uh, tends to miss the high school history lessons is that Russia provided the largest sacrifice in terms of human lives and material costs. That is infrastructure destroyed. uh, How much of the, uh, the, the country's economy was wiped out. Russia sacrificed a hell of a lot in order to overcome Nazism. And that contribution gets completely snuffed out in any modern discussion 
about World War II and the years thereafter. The fact that Russia was able to rebuild, that is, the, sorry, I should say the USSR was able to rebuild, but especially um, in the Russian core where, you know, German, German aggression just resulted in what can only be described as a straight up saturation bombing, um, siege warfare, starvation, and uh, human rights atrocities on a scale that, I mean, we, we haven't seen before or since. So the idea that Russia or is that, that Ukraine can claim that it stood up against fascism when the nationalist predecessors of the current administration, the current government, and the makeup of the military, which has been actively under uh, President Yanukovych, actively attempting to wipe out Ukrainian history and its involvement in the fight against fascism under the Ukrainian SSR. That that is that should be appalling to any Westerner, but because it's okay to spread misinformation as long as you're carrying the correct political line, not enough people know to push back against that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, not only not only do they not push back, um, there is uh, you know, children are being taught in Ukraine uh, a whitewashed, revised, revisionist um, history that actually does paint um, the Soviets as the bad guys and the, um, you know, the Ukrainian nationalists as uh, some kind of saviors for Ukraine, even, and, and, and the people who have actually, who actually fought in the, in World War II, the Ukrainians, you know, there are videos you can find out there um, of, uh, you know, these neo-Nazis, these nationalists, Ukrainian nationalists, literally beating some of them up, you know, or like, at like uh, rallies or like Victory Day marches, like actually have, there, there was actual violence against some of these veterans, these World War II yeah, veterans. Yeah, these people are in their like, in their like 90s, right? Yeah. Like, these are people who fought in World War II. It's just they definitely... fucking fought the Nazis and, and, and in their old age, they're having to see a resurgence of that. I can only imagine how fucking painful that must be. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Uh, what were you going to say, Mikey? Oh, I, I don't know how deep we want to go into this because we could go really deep, right? But like the the decommunization that occurred under Poroshenko after the the fascist right wing coup of the Euromaidan or the revolutionary revolutionary revolution of dignity uh, from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen, yes. um, and how uh, yeah this uh, the the Ukrainian like Ministry uh, or Institute of Memory. Uh, under uh, Vladimir Vyotrovich, uh worked to basically remove like over a thousand uh, Ukrainian SSR like revolutionary statues, including you know hundreds of statues of Lenin, renaming uh, over a thousand street names uh, to change them from revolutionary or neutral street names to literal fascist names like Stefan Bandera, Roman Chukovich, and Yaroslav Stetsko, who, you know, these were people who were part of the OUNB or the Ukrainian Zergen Army who were involved in the mass extermination of over 200,000 Polish, Jewish, and Roma and LGBTQ people uh, and were Nazi collaborators till their death um, and were uh, helped uh, when they were attempting to escape uh, the Soviets and and the NKVD um, through the CIA uh, and and uh, European powers, allowing them refuge in in Europe and in the United States. <laughs> so that 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 shit goes mm-hmm. deep. Uh, it's, yeah, it's ever since uh, World War II and the immediate aftermath of World War II, these Ukrainian Nazis have been um, deeply influential uh, in determining Ukrainian policy 
policy towards Ukraine uh, through the Atlantic Council and the State Department and the uh, right-wing minority diaspora of Ukraine in the uh, East Coast of the United States, but also in various strange places in the United States um, and also in, in Canada, which Q can definitely speak to, uh, Kieran as well. Um, yeah. And we have a speaker or a caller. Yep. Uh, Kay, you can go ahead. And if you want to unmute, it's the little microphone-shaped button in the lower right-hand corner of your screen. Y'all, what's up, y'all? Can you hear me? Hey, I know who that is. Hey. Um, so, yeah, wait, what did you say, Karen? I was going to say, how you doing? Good, I'm good. How are y'all doing? I hope y'all are having good days. Relatively speaking. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I haven't slept. I have not slept all night, you know, so. Oh, dang. Oh, um, well. Uh, that's unfortunate. I definitely hope you get some sleep after this. Um, I just wanted to touch on something that we were talking about earlier with um, Elon Musk taking Twitter private. Um, so, and I don't know how much this like relates to the like conversation at hand or like changes like what people think will or like what Twitter will be like after going private, but. Um, it's actually much regulatory rules, excuse me, that, um, you know, uh, corporations essentially or private businesses, once they reach a certain size, they are like forced to go public. That's why Facebook had to go public in like 2012. None of these corporations actually want to, um, uh, go public because generally they can get just as much funding um, like by private entities without all of the government red tape. Um, but yeah, like I was doing a little bit of research. I just like was reading a couple of articles that were talking about Twitter going, going private um, and how even if they wanted to months at this point of like regulatory bullshit, essentially, um, for that to happen. And that matters because technically, like, uh, Twitter is, like, limited in what they can say um, on certain matters because they don't want to affect, like, their shareholders' price and whatnot. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that'll, like, change much for us as, like, you know, Marxist Leninists and people in the, and people on the left because, you know, we're already being, like, repressed uh, under Twitter right now. So, you know, it, it might be, like, even doubly so. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Elon Musk will just, like, not give a fuck. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that little wrinkle in. Yeah. I mean, there there is um, plenty of uh, paperwork in public company private. It, it's obviously not... Um, but it's, it's not unprecedented by any stretch. I mean, uh, Burger King... Uh, was taken private a number of. I think the process might have taken. Um, they were. I want to say it was like uh, 2009 or 10 um, that they were purchased um, by a private equity and then uh, taken private again. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, there's uh, there are large companies like like Blackstone that do gobble up um, public companies that are struggling but have a. It's struggling in terms of like their ability to grow, but have a healthy cash flow. Um, and usually, what ends up happening in those cases uh, is that they they pull the uh, 
the Hostess maneuver or the Toys R Us maneuver, where uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen that episode of The Sopranos, uh, the bust out episode. Uh, this is where uh, Tony um, caught his neighbor uh, on some gambling debts. So he, because of his neighbor's gambling debts, he couldn't get out from underneath immediately. And it wasn't very big, it was like $7,000. He basically said, like, yep, so, you know, you're going to let us, like, take over management of your, your store. He had a, 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 a sports store with a, a fairly healthy cash flow. Such a good episode. <laughs> yeah, and they just, like, they were, like, buying airline tickets. They were, like, you know, buying, they were, like, buying expensive uh, clothes and all sorts of shit. Basically just, like, ran up the credit cards on this store and ran it into the ground until it was insolvent. So that often happens. Uh, with some of the uh, the companies that have that struggle with growth but have a fairly healthy cash flow, don't think that that would happen in Twitter's case. I think what probably will happen is that um, there's probably I would say within like four to six months um, it does end up successfully getting taken private. Uh, I I think it's pretty much all over except the crying. So I guess the question is what happens next? Like is is he planning on hanging on to the company long term? and using Twitter to sort of reshape the environment of, of speech. And I think that's only really, it's only really relevant to the area of journalism. I don't know that it really has many repercussions um, beyond what journalistic discourse and political discourse looks like. Because, as I mentioned before, Twitter is not even one of the top 10 most downloaded platform or top 10 most downloaded apps on mobile platforms. So a lot of cultural speech, and I would say a significant portion of political speech, is shaped outside of Twitter. Twitter uses your niche. But I think what he can do is begin to inflate the value of the company just by sheer force of like, you know, personality, charisma, and his fan base. The idea that he will do something with it, it yields enough uh, fruit for investors to want to get in on it, um, or for uh, current investors to stay the course. But I, I don't see exactly what he can do with Twitter because what he proposes to do and where Twitter makes his money are essentially at odds with one another. He proposes to make it a quote-unquote free speech platform, but also, you know, get rid of all the bots, authenticate users, which is, uh, I mean, that suggestion kind of concerns me because I guess that means it, it depends on what you, how you interpret authenticate people. But if your goal is to increase the kind of speech that people can get away with on the platform or what they're able to say without being moderated or suspended or banned, then the question becomes, well, what about your revenue model? Your revenue model depends heavily on advertisers and advertisers don't want to put their names and brands and logos on platforms that are known for utter lawlessness. This was actually a problem that Reddit had before it was purchased by Condé Nast, was that it had to clean up its act. So there were, you know, subreddit forums where uh, guys would like walk around with uh, with with cameras and get pictures up women's skirts. There were like, you know, molestation and incest forums. There was all kinds of just really awful and heinous shit that existed on that platform that Reddit really had to crack down on ahead of the purchase by Condé Nast because. It, it's not a profitable model if you put your brand on a platform that is known for essentially facilitating, enabling, and, and perhaps even encouraging criminal behavior uh, and r like really licentious behavior. 
So I'm I'm not really well, sure what what the direction what direction you can take. This. I, I mean, I think what maybe yeah, I, I get what you're saying that um, Twitter is not the. I mean, those of us who are sort of plugged into political commentariat uh, sphere, yeah, we are probably spending way too much time on that. I agree. But, um, you know, a lot of people are more into Instagram or TikTok or, you know, um, a lot of other other apps because they're not actually plugged in and they don't care about the news as much. Uh, but what they're also hearing, um, if they are, you know, if they're hearing any news, if they're getting, you know, Google alerts for their area or for whatever, just, you know, turning on MSNBC, which a lot of people apparently still do. Um, what I'm seeing is that a lot of these other sites and Facebook, for that matter, um, they get their news from Twitter. So you will see on every single news channel, uh, you know, uh, on many stories, you will see them tweeting uh, or quoting somebody who tweeted something about that story or even uh, showing video or photographs that were, you know, first posted on Twitter, especially when it comes to things like, you know, breaking news and, you know, the war and all that. So Twitter has become its, its own news source, really. And even people who are not directly on Twitter, I think indirectly getting their news from or getting their news from places that are, you know, that are from these like CNN, MSNBC, uh, CBC producers who are scouring Twitter. And, you know, you see certain breaking news and then you'll see like, I'm from ABC. Can we use your video? And like that, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So um, I do think that Twitter is very influential in that respect. Um, and uh, the other thing is, uh, I was going to say that the um, as far as the management, you know, there is, I think there is basically, you know, what, what the libertarians say is that once you start regulating for one thing, it's a slippery slope. And then before you know it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just based on the whims of whoever's doing the regulating. And we know we know that argument. Right. So. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that argument. I do believe that some regulation is important, as you just mentioned, things like uh, child abuse, sexual abuse, um, you know, various kinds of calling for, you know, racial violence or whatever. Um, I think that those things do need to be regulated. But what's happened is that this slippery slope business is what liberals, you know, the liberal sort of capitalist bourgeoisie, they do fall into that because Twitter, you know, it started off, I remember it was all about, like, think of the children, you know, we have to take off, get rid of the child abuse and stuff. And that's how it started. And it was something that nobody could really say no to, like, it was, it made sense. And then it went further and further to the point where now you will just get banned for anything, almost anything that challenges the mainstream liberal narrative. So, I mean, um, I do think that there is something to that idea. Now, if we could come to an understanding where we could say, yeah, okay, well, uh, we won't allow, you know, child abuse of any kind. We won't allow, uh, you know, obvious like threats or whatever, you know, things like that. But if somebody wants to sit there and say, you know, uh, that, uh, that, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, what, what did you say to you? Somebody should kick him in the dick. Um, I said, you I know, the, I mean, I said, I hope the old LGJ five, workers kick him in the dick this week yeah so i mean i mean even that i think it's pretty obvious that it was a metaphoric uh thing you're talking about a union not a particular entity but you know if you were to say something like, or like on my old twitter just, account did the person who suspended me think that like what i want to have happen is that uh jeff bezos sits on a sits on the chair that james bond was put in 
at the end of Casino Royale where they had sawed out the center of it so that his balls were exposed. And, like, every worker just, like, queues up in a long line of about 2,500 or so people or more. And they spend probably about, like, three or four solid days just, like, taking turns kicking Jeff Bezos directly in the head of the penis. Is that what they thought I was talking about? That would be – that's such a beautiful vision that you gave us. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, we're – I mean, we're not even at the, like, the the cusp of the revolution yet. That's, like, the the, the cultural revolution (laughs) stage of things, right? So, yeah. But I was going to say my old Twitter account was uh, suspended because um, this guy, this fucking Australian, was, like, hounding me and another person for, like, like, two or three days. And at one point, I think I just tweeted that Australian crackers are, are even worse than American crackers. I literally didn't even call him directly, you know, a cracker. But I got suspended for that, uh, you know, and I have filed appeals and all that. And I'm just saying that, like, th- there are lots of cases of people calling other people that word or, you know, words for other ethnicities or whatever that are possibly slurs. And they don't get suspended. Obviously, I was targeted because I had a pretty, you know, relatively, it was a growing account. It was like 17,000 at the time. And I had a lot of resources that I was posting, uh, books. And, you know, uh, obviously, I was I was getting in somebody's crosshairs. So uh, and uh, from an anti-imperialist perspective and anti-colonial perspective. And I think that is why my account, my old account was targeted, because there are lots of people who've done a lot worse things. And if they get a pat, you know, a little slap on the hand, they get brought back. So my point is that obviously there are political implications to these bannings and these suspensions that have taken place. It's not just about abuse or slurs or anything like that. It is a political thing that's happening. Um, and, and, and what's happening is that, you know, while somebody on the you know, far right, like Donald Trump or, or Tucker Carlson or others have been also banned, but a lot of left is far, you know, um, what, what liberals call far left, you know, which is actual left, which is actual socialists and communists. Uh, who have not advocated for violence, but have actually um, uh, explicitly called out the capitalist system, imperialist system that we live in, um, they get suspended. So, you know, this is a problem on all of these platforms, the more they grow. And I don't know if Elon, if I don't think Elon is going to like turn that, uh, you know, he's not there to like flip that, you know what I mean? Like he might bring, he might say bring Donald Trump back just because Elon Musk is a clown. Like he just, likes the entertainment i think you know he's, he's got billions these billionaires think they're god they literally think they're god they they're untouchable they're surrounded by people who do nothing but agree with them you know they can do anything they can go anywhere there's no limit to their power they re- literally think they're god so they just kind of play you know like little little like uh, they were like board games to them you know this entire thing is like a big fucking board game so um what i'm saying is that i don't think elon musk has anybody's uh, good interest at heart or you know, he's actually going to bring back free speech. I don't think, and I don't think, I'm under no illusions. What I think is funny is that uh, I wouldn't put it past someone as petty and self-absorbed and narcissistic as Elon Musk that uh, a major factor in his decision to spend tens of billions of dollars, even have to take out loans in order to cover half of it, that, that a huge factor in his decision-making was that he would be able to tell all the mean tanky socialists on Twitter every time they get into a argument with him in his menchies that it's like, Oh, well you're arguing on my platform. How, how convenient, you know, like you, you, you hate capitalism and yet you use this capitalist platform. I think like that's like a major factor in his decision, uh, you know, to, how to give curious. him kind of like, <laughs> yeah, how curious. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and like, like the fact that, that he is that, 
hypersensitive and insecure that that he would make huge business decisions based on his ability to win arguments online <laughs> you know which which is, is is very much the type of person he is he is very much like donald trump that way where it's like uh everything is about public perception like he hasn't created anything right and a lot of his ridiculous ideas like the hyperloop uh and you know the 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 submersible that would have like killed whatever <laughs> children were were stuck in that uh you know that uh underwater cave all of that bullshit it's all about brand building, which is the only good thing he's actually, uh, you know, competent at. Uh, and and uh, uh, this is just another exercise in brand building, I feel like. But speaking to what uh, Kieran and, and Q were mentioning about kind of the ways that these social media platforms are used to discipline uh, dangerous speech, you know, dangerous in the sense that it, it presents uh, an alternative view or a challenge to U.S. empire. I think about uh, violence, especially a lot recently. Should I wish uh, uh, Gay was still in the space uh, in the speaker slot? Uh, but um, I, I don't think we like uh, you know the the, the infamous slap <laughs> with uh, with Will Smith and, and Chris Rock. Like I feel like um, there's a lot I I can't speak to uh, for my positionality, but I think like the the fact that the onslaught of of disciplinary uh finger waving from particularly like the white ruling class and also like the white celebrity commentariat saying like how how terrible that was how how it shattered decorum and and all and all uh respectable norms right where you know i mean the, the academy we, we've all gone through you know the types the various types of institutional violence that the Academy has not only celebrated, but encouraged on stage, you know, awarding uh, an Academy Award in absentia to Roman Polanski, who's a child rapist, uh, you know, the, the way that John Wayne literally had to be held back um, by, by several security officials when uh, a native person came to accept an award on behalf of Marlon Brando to, 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 to speak in defense uh, of indigenous peoples, uh, you know, uh, in, 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 uh, to, to warn about the media black blackout that was coming uh, for, for the stand in Alcatraz. Um, the, the ways that, that, uh, you know, racism has, has proliferated throughout, not just the representation of the Academy, but uh, in, in, in uh, Hollywood depictions of, of ethnicity generally. Um, but, but, I mean, the, the fact that they awarded, uh, they gave an Academy Award to a uh, propaganda piece on the White Helmets, who it later turned out were literal, you know, like Al-Qaeda in Syria, Jabhat al-Nusra. <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah, I mean, they have no like to stand on, but also um, it, it really reveals in moments like that, um, what it, it's basically like... Uh, disciplinary not just to uh the particular individuals involved but to everyone watching and everyone but but no i mean nobody watches the oscars anymore but like you know watching that moment and the reactions to the moment as a way to discipline the general populace telling reminding them these are unacceptable forms of violence and what we do are acceptable forms of violence they are dictating not just uh, what is acceptable in terms of truth and, and what is an acceptable 
uh, conception of reality itself, but also what are acceptable forms of resistance to institutional violence, which is acceptable, and none of what is acceptable is physical violence against the oppressor. Uh, and, and, and we see yeah. that a lot on, on the way that Twitter spaces are, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter interactions are managed as well. Yeah, I, I call like that even one, a hypothetical yeah, dick kicking. <laughs> I, I call that one starting the clock late. That is, uh, you don't actually punch the clock on when the violence starts until it's like, uh, people who are, um, I don't know, like, um, looting, uh, department stores or burning down a Wendy's or something like that. You don't call it violence until, uh, the cops like rush into a crowd and just start beating people, and amongst the cops, like pepper spraying people directly in their face or shooting yeah. their eyes or when, or when a, or when a, or, yeah, or a Palestinian child who's like 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 uh, brothers and parents have lost limbs or lives uh, to the island. Throwing IOF. a rock at like yeah, the yeah, idea. Yeah. That's when the violence starts. Tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, anything anything prior to that, like you don't punch the clock until you see the retaliation. But I also didn't yeah. want to skip over the fact that uh, B has been waiting a little while to. Oh, yeah. Uh, to well, just yeah, just just one more example. They started the clock eight years late when it came to Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, B, you can go ahead. Uh, tap the microphone shape button on the lower right hand corner of your screen. And you're good to go. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, one thing, uh, and I think you kind of alluded to it earlier with like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not like it uh, wasn't owned by oligarchs before. But, you know, people talk a lot about like, oh, you know, here's what um, Musk might might do or might not do. Um, and not really about like why why should, you know, the, the whims of a private board or a CEO um, – you know, di- dictate or have so much, uh, influence, uh, over something if we, you know, if you want to say it's important. Um, and, you know, we have like very little, uh, like input. Uh, there's not much we can do, but I think one thing we might be able to do, and this probably doesn't apply, uh, to journalism as much. Um, but, you know, people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to delete my Twitter, which most of them are not going to do. But one option we've always had, uh, or we've had for a while now are uh, sort of uh, alternative uh, solutions. Uh, so, for example, Mastodon, if you've heard of it. Uh, um, yes. I'm going to say I have a – okay, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the dev card here and just say that, yeah, Mastodon is an alternative, but I think it's also a terrible alternative. Um, well, gonna, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree on like the, the technical fronts that it not, it's not necessarily, the, you know, the greatest thing. Um, it's, it's you know, like, however, it's just... like, so Macedon depends on, um, instantiation. And if you, uh, like if you instantiate on a, let's call it a server, just so that like people who aren't like super tech savvy can understand this. So imagine like a Discord server that is able to communicate with other Discord servers. But the one that you happen to, uh, when I say instantiate on, I mean that one, the one where you basically your your profile generates on. Like this is your Discord server that you have uh, set up your Mastodon profile with. You are put into this server. Well, if the uh, let's say the admin of this server gets into a big fight with the admin of another server, they could simply like essentially disconnect their server from everything else. So through no fault of your own, you could find yourself completely severed from contact with other people in Mastodon that you've built relationships with. 
Well, that's true. And I think that's actually where it becomes much more important that you're not just uh, joining a random instance um, that you don't really have, you know, much of a connection with. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you can join a smaller instance where you know the, you know, the administrators or, you know, you're, you're well connected with them. Um, and another advantage of being able to disconnect your instances, for example, you can disconnect from all the Nazi infested instances and then you don't have to worry about them showing up in your mentions ever. Uh, so it's, I guess it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Yeah, was, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of like a live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. Like it, I can I can see the advantage in that uh, if you have like a corner of the user base that is making life hell for for everybody else, it's almost like I don't know, like sealing the airlocks and then jettisoning a part of a spacecraft out into the empty void. So there's that. But then on the other hand, it can also cut against you in that it, it can that that sort of jettisoning can also happen because of interpersonal beefs, which has happened often. That, that is true. Uh, and, you know, it's definitely not a perfect solution. Um, and like I said, probably for, you know, for people who depend on maybe having a very large or like a sort of global or public reach, um, you know, the, insta- the, the instance nature of it might not be great for them, but. Uh, for like smaller like scenes or um, clicks and whatnot, um, I think could be a, a good alternative. At least, uh, you, you know, like there there is a concern of being disconnected, but you know, on on Twitter, there's a concern of being banned or suspended at any time as well. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I really wish that there were I don't know some other social media platform. Fuck it. Why don't we have like uh, I don't know. We we, sh- we need we need a we need a communist. We need a communist social media platform. I've been saying okay. it. I've been saying that. <laughs> I know. You know. Well, I mean, you can, can always make a communist Macedon instance. Uh, well, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean <laughs> there's, there's a few a already. Platform altogether. Uh, uh, instead of uh, instead of Facebook, let's call it the Black Book. I don't know. Okay, sorry. That was a long ass setup, but I finally did it. I finally did it. <laughs> well, I think I think the one issue is like as as communists, like many of us are organizers, right? And how do you organize in a space that's just for? I think it would have to be more open than that, right? It would have to be run and operated by communists, but also open to the general public uh, in some way. Um, well, here's a here's yeah. a question I want to ask, and and B, I, I would like your feedback on this, and also anybody else in the audience that has some feedback on this as well. I mean please feel free to hop into the queue and by all means, do not feel intimidated to ask us questions. I mean, just because um, like, I I think that every question is valid and just because I challenge things doesn't mean that I don't think they're valid. I think, I mean, a a lot of people have migrated to Mastodon and more power to them. I don't necessarily agree, but you know, I'm always open to, I'm always open to persuasion. Um, But I want to ask you this question. So we, we went from, okay, I don't know how old you are, but I'm a child of the eighties, right? So I, like my life can be divided by no internet and then having internet. Uh, I mean, there's also like the gradual like ramping up of internet speeds and so on. So like first it was like, what was it? Like 14.4 K was the first modem that I had, uh, 14.4 kilobits a second. And then it was like 56 K modems were like the blazing fast ones, but it would still take you like two hours to download a song off of, uh, well, we had Napster, and then we had LimeWire, and then we had BitTorrent. But anyway, it would take a long-ass time to download anything. Um, and then we had, like, cable internet and DSL. 
And even that was relatively slow at the time. Now I think where the, the people who have like gigabit internet now, you have no idea how fucking spoiled you are. So what I'm saying is throughout the course of the internet development, and I was there for like, you know, my aunt worked for Bell Canada. So I, I, I saw what the internet looked like before I think most consumers saw what the internet looked like. It was basically like an intra-company server. It was used for sending information back and forth quickly across departments. Um, and the most, I think the, the most use they got out of it really was email. Like that was at that time revolutionary um, because before email, you had to put rolled up pieces of paper into a fucking vacuum tube um, and then it would get sent uh, around the building. The reason I bring all of this up is because during the course of, of that development, you went from a walled garden approach where you might get a disc from AOL that gives you 20 free hours before you have to pay for it. What When you get on AOL, you have the AOL environment that you log into. So you can go into the chat rooms, you can see news, uh, sports scores, upcoming movies, that kind of thing. That was all held within the AOL environment. Once you left the AOL environment using your, uh, your, your web browser, at the time, the most popular ones were um, Netscape and Microsoft Internet Explorer, you could go to a website like Yahoo, you could go to a website like eBay, you go to like MSN, and you'd be able to buy things or bid on auctions or read the news. But for the most part, your ability to communicate with other people just to shoot the shit was mostly relegated to AOL chat rooms and also like BBS forums. Um, stuff like ICQ and MUDs, like they came, I think, a little bit later. I may be getting a bit of the chronology wrong, but I like for the most part, that's where people met up to discuss things. When you had the advent of uh, high speed internet, that is um, internet that was, at, that was that was offered at speeds faster than 56k um, over uh, a duplex phone line, then you could do cool things like comments on blogs and then things like news aggregators popped up like fark.com and much later something awful and reddit but you would go to different places to comment on things you could comment on a newspaper or a magazine article and be a regular poster in there as a matter of fact yoni applebaum who writes for the atlantic got his start as a reply guy to ta-nehisi coates's articles in the atlantic that's how far you could carry yourself by commenting in magazine and, and newspaper posts when Twitter took off and I think Facebook began to do this, but I think Twitter captured lightning in a bottle with Facebook. You could post a news article. And once the concept of cards came about, that is when you post a link, then you'll see like a, a, a picture preview of what's in the article. Facebook was, uh, very aggressive with bringing the cards into the platform because it would be a mix of text and visual content. And then from below that visual content, it's almost like you're, you're basically creating your own blog feed that people could comment on, which is why they were really adamant about you being able to accumulate friends because the more friends you accumulate, the more that they can comment on the stuff that you're doing, whether it's like what's going on in your life or the kind of politics you talk about, yada, yada, yada. I think with Twitter, they did something completely different, which was they did, they made, um, 
they accomplished what Twitter or what uh, Facebook couldn't, which was accumulate the feed of everybody into one space. So if you wanted to read the news, if you wanted to get sports scores, if you wanted to have discussions, like you really didn't need comment sections in newspapers and magazines and news websites anymore. You could just read an article and then talk about it on Twitter. You didn't necessarily have to even watch a football game or a basketball game. If you didn't have cable, you could more or less keep up with what was happening just reading a Twitter feed. So I think they're in some ways a victim of their own success. But my question, and I promise this is all going somewhere, what does this mean for the centralization of speech onto a few select platforms? Because one thing that I'm dead adamant about is that public platforms are good for promoting the organizational work that you're doing. They are terrible for the actual act of organizing, and I would highly advise against it. But you tell me what you think. Well, I invite people to come up and tell me what they think as well. I think that, um, first of all, you really aged yourself there, Hugh. Talking about listen, AOL, I know, uh, I, listen, I know I'm old and I'm cool. With that, okay, I age gracefully like a fine wine. <laughs> I, I have the um, AOL CDs. <laughs> um, hello. So, yeah, I, hello, yes. I, did, um, you, did you ever, like, once your AOL CDs were used up, like, take them to school and flick them at your friends like ninja stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and also it's coasters. You can use them as coasters and, um, yeah, Absolutely. you do all kinds of stuff with them. Um, and also, um, I remember speaking of like uh, big tech uh, crashing. Netflix, you remember the DVD service they used to have? In fact, they still yeah. have it. They still, yeah, they still, still have. Yeah. yeah, you can actually still sign up for like ten dollars a month, and they'll send you like one DVD or two or something like that at a time, and then like, in the mail. I swear to God, I, I, w- I had to be one of the last holdouts in this uh, fake state uh, to uh, stop <laughs> that <laughs> mailing DVD service. Oh, um. It was such an exciting thing. I remember when it came out. Um, and I was going to say, you know, the central is, okay, first of all, somebody was talking about Mastodon and uh, what exactly is wrong with it. Now, I don't know about your your reasons, Q. Uh, mine were just that, I mean, some years ago, I tried using Mastodon, I think, um, I don't know, probably 2015, 2016, something a while ago. It's been a while. Maybe, no, maybe 2017. Anyway, I just found it to be, first of all, it is very, like, uh, it is more, um, I thought it was more, like, uh, it was more um, engaging within certain communities, but you had to be on the server for the community you wanted to be part of. And, I mean, maybe I'm sure they've updated since then, and maybe there's more sort of cross-community collaboration. But whatever server you were part of, you were basically in that universe, and there was, you know, very little... You, I think um, from what I remember, that was one of the issues I had is that I felt like, okay, I'm following these people. But on Twitter, I have I follow people on Twitter only whose views um, I want because uh, what I use Twitter for is news search. So I search for whatever news or story or issue or whatever topic, and then I limit the search by who I follow or people I follow. And so I only follow people. I don't hate follow people because I only want people in my fo- that I follow who uh, I trust enough to be able to, you know, want to hear what they have to say about a particular item or topic or whatever. And then, um, but I do know of, for example, I follow other topics and lists and stuff that are for, for, there are people that I, that I don't follow, but that are just like dedicated to particular topics. So, um, but I have this access to this larger, you know, the rest of Twitter, which I felt like a Mastodon is not there. So that's one of the things I do like about Twitter is that it is a flattened space uh, compared to somebody, even, even like Facebook, where you're just in your own friends group and then maybe you're in a, in a groups that you join based on your hobbies or topics, whatever. 
And then you don't really interact with the rest of Facebook. And I felt like, I feel like that's one of the things about Twitter that's actually good about it. Um, of course, it's not managed well, but I mean, it is sort of a town hall where you can meet all kinds of random people. Um, so I, I felt like that was missing on Mastodon. Uh, and also the the registration process where it was a real pain in the ass. I remember, like it was it was fine for me, but a lot of people just didn't want to transfer over because they couldn't figure it out and they didn't want to go through the process of learning. So I don't know. What were your reasons, Q? What were my reasons? Uh, you said you you don't like Mastodon. Oh, like for, for, or for like no, for not liking Mastodon. No, it's just like uh, the possibility that. Um, so how am I going to put this? It's almost like you can spawn. Okay, imagine a Discord server, right? Like, you know how Discord servers are separate from one another? Like, you can be in somebody's Discord server, but if somebody else is not in the Discord server, you're not going to be talking to them. Like, you're not going right. to encounter them. Okay, so imagine, like, um, um, uh, a, a, a massive conglomeration of Discord servers where you can actually see and communicate with people that are in those other servers. Um, and, and then if let's say there's a server that's causing a whole lot of problems, like they're engaging in hate speech and violent rhetoric, they're making rape threats and death threats and so on. Well, then like they can just be jettisoned so that nobody can ever, like nobody will interact with them again. Right. So that whole group, the whole group of people that spawned on that particular server could basically be jettisoned. But the problem is that jettisoning, like to, to disconnect a group of people from the, from everybody else that can happen by the admins of a server getting upset at each other for whatever reason. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm, I'm blocking your entire server. So I'm probably way oversimplifying it here, but I'm trying to make it, make the language in, in terms that people can really understand. So the idea is like, you could lose contact with a broad swath of people over something that has nothing to do with you at all. That's that's the problem that I have. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that can happen. But you can also have like literally your own instance where you're the only person on there and still interact. And, you know, unless other instances ban you, uh, you can interact with anybody you like. Um, so I, I agree that that's a problem. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's more solvable problem than getting zapped by uh, Twitter um, or, or whoever else. Um, and, and to your earlier question, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's hard. I, I personally believe that uh, decentralization is the only thing we can do. I worked at a fairly large tech company for eight years. Uh, the people who work there have no control over what they've created. Uh, it's it's I, I think like and and if you think about like the power of these companies derives from their centralization, right? Like. The, the only metric that matters is users and engagement and how much time people spend on the platform. Um, you know, governments are not going to regulate that. Um, you know, I think uh, actually Vijay Prashad mentioned that, like, actually, yeah, they like that. They like that these uh, companies are centralized because once you if you can exert any kind of control over those companies, then, you know, you're all set. As opposed to trying to zap, you know, 12,000 different uh, instances. So I I don't think it's like the most workable solution, especially because most people, you know, they just want to open log on or like open the app and have everything work. Uh, you know, Mastodon and those and it's not the only one. There are others, um, but those kinds of things they require a little bit more legwork. 
It's like, but I think if we're talking about like, like you notice know like it's like um back when I didn't really know shit about software development or really anything about coding or any of this, like how different parts of computer software interact with one another. But I was like, ah, fuck Windows. You know, I just want to, I'm just going to go do Linux, right? I'm sick and tired of like having to update my Windows and it crashing my computer and having to pay for a new version. I'm just going to get, I'm going to do Linux. And then I, 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 I put Linux on my computer. I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I'm going back to Windows. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No. There, and I'll say, I think nowadays Mastodon is like a lot easier. Um, uh, and again, it depends on the instance that you go to. Some instances require you to like, uh, basically apply and then tell them why you're applying and then they're going to maybe interview you to see if they're going to let you in. Uh, others, you can just click a button and you're in. Uh, so it, I, I think that that part of it is also a little bit daunting, right? Cause someone just types Mastodon into the search. They're not going to know how to get on this thing, right? Uh, so, I mean, I definitely agree it's not necessarily easy. Um, but, you know, if people are serious about like, oh, I don't like the fact that, you know, Elon has control over Twitter. And so I'm considering not being on this platform. It's like, well, here's one thing you can do because you're definitely not going to be able to influence, uh, Elon or whoever else. Well, I mean, I think that Mastodon is like the old tiny forums that we used to have, which I used to love. I used to be on many different ones for, many different, uh, you know, TV shows and whatnot and things. But I was, you know, they were, they're like sort of dated communities with your friends, with people you, you, who are similar on a similar uh, wavelength as you, whatever you're into. Um, I think that that's useful, but I mean, as, um, the other thing I as, uh, still can't drive on, uh, tw- on, on the chat here, uh, they said uh, Twitter is the only place where you can yell at excessively rich people and they'll double down or try to beat back. I, I agree. I mean, I think on, on some level we, we want to be, I mean, it depends on your settings. You know, you can always set your settings to not get notifications. And I think a lot of people probably have that where they don't get notifications unless they follow you or something. But um, a lot of people do, you know, seem to hear these, you know, if you can um, uh, like, you know, yell at Eve Barlow or whatever, or Fartlow. And you can, you know, like tell um, uh, whoever, uh, a piece of your mind. Now, I don't know whether it gets through to them, whether it's going to their publicity publicity department, or their social media management team, whether it actually gets to, you know, whoever you want to direct it to. Um, I think I've seen instances where it might, but I've also seen lots of instances where I'm pretty sure they're not hearing it or they're they're not getting it. They're not getting the actual whatever messages. So on some level, I think there might be a bit of an illusion that we have that we can actually interact with, you know, I don't know, Hillary Clinton or J.K. Rowling or whatever. Um, but it is it, it is nice to have that option, at least, because that's not there on Mastodon, for example. Right. So um, yeah. that's the other reason that I think a lot of people stay on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, one thing that would never happen on Mastodon is like like the night Trump got uh, COVID was the best night on Twitter. Um, that's not something you're going to be able to replicate on Mastodon. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, that was like uh, there was a somebody asked like, "Hey, what was the funniest day on Twitter?" And for me, Fire was, Festival. Fire Festival was great. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Uh, that was watching, the best one for me. Watching those rich fucks just like you know, uh, brought to, <laughs> brought to the mercy of Mother Nature. That was amazing. Um, and literally everybody came together. I don't care who you were. Everybody yeah. came together. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Um, but B, so, uh, much, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, one, one last quick thing um, for hop up. Uh, uh, if you were serious about that platform, hit me up. I am a developer, and this is something that I'm, I've been looking into. Uh, so seriously, hit me up hit, if no, you're serious. Hit, hit, hit me up, hit me up. We should we should talk. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm working on right now, and frankly, like, 
uh, my how am I gonna put this? Uh, I tend to get way ahead of myself and my dev skills because I'm you know I'm fairly good with React. Uh, I'm I'm still learning um, Java and uh, Python. Uh, I'm okay with Rust. I'm decent with I'm decent with Angular. I'm I'm just I'm I'm trying to put myself through a stack where I can just think of an idea, uh, build a concept, and then see what can happen with it. Um, but where it comes to you know a social media platform that is socialist friendly, like I I know it can be done. It's just a matter of where where do you find the people who will put all of that free time and energy into it? Because frankly, until um, until people start using it, it, it is free labor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit you up on uh, DMs then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hit me up on DMs here, or um, my my contact information is on Twitter. You can always like find my signal number on my Twitter profile. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Take care. Easy. Okay, uh, Reina, how are you? Did I get your name right? Oh, and you can unmute yourself by tapping the microphone shape button in the lower right-hand corner. Hi, Q. Thank you. Uh, hey. Reina, yes. Uh, when I was just talking to Ben Norton kind of along these lines. Um, he's, he's new to call in, which was nice to discover. It's kind of hard to keep track even of yeah, all the... Yeah he's, yeah, he's new to call in. Who do you think brought him in here? Well, thank you, thank you. But you didn't. <laughs> I was like, no, we gotta, we got to populate this place with lefties. Q, you didn't tell me about him though. If it weren't, if it wasn't for a couple of people of just you know normie listeners that I follow, oh my. who hopped oh, into Ben's no. first podcast, oh, I wouldn't I'm not have known you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, shame. I'm gonna fix that right now. I know Shameful. you're shame on me. Kieran, Kieran, <laughs> can I just tell Kieran? Let me let you know right now. And Mikey, Reina, when I say Reina is an old school comrade, I'm talking old school. Like Reina knows people, right? Like she could, she she she's been she you know she's been on the show with uh, with me and Glenn, and she's told us some stories. And like I'll be DMing Glenn behind the scenes. Like, are you are you seriously hearing this? Like, I would love to sit her down for an interview one day and just like hear all of her stories. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you have got to be kidding about that. Um, I'm dead. Anyway, I'm, that's I. I. I, <laughs> I will ask him. Hey, do you mind if I screen cap this DM exchange and show it to her? Because that's what actually happened. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, very flattering. Thank you. What I was going to say. Uh, now I've totally lost track of what I was going to say. Oh, okay. So anyway, you Ben see what said. Happens, you see what happens when I flatter and charm people. Hmm? Yes, get us all distracted. <laughs> Sorry, uh, ben Ben mentioned, and I I knew he was no longer with Gray Zone. That he had a he had a different um, uh, YouTube channel, and I was following that. However, I did not know that he was on Rumble and um, something else. Uh, what's the other one? Telegram, and he's probably on about thirty five thousand other things that I don't participate in as closely as rumble for example but i gotta say you know it's tough keeping up with all these different places i mean i i try and follow people that i'm concerned about a lot as many different places as they as they tell me that they're available but it's really hard to keep track of all of these different places that's the great thing about twitter you know everybody's there until of course they get canceled off of there 
And, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter was like the great clearinghouse. People, even if people didn't use it a lot, they would at least post, hey, here's here's my next video on YouTube. Here's here's where I'm um Here's a link to a, a live stream for something, or you know, here here's a link to my next post on on Substack or or whatever it was, and and p- people getting kicked off of Twitter is frankly really a bit a giant pain in the ass, and for for no other reason, if Elon lets a few people back in, into the Twitter space, I, I think that would be a good thing. Let, I wanted to let Donald Trump back. I wanted to like. I do too. I, I did not agree Sam. with that. He's yeah. so, <laughs> I did he's not agree so with that. Funny. I can't yeah. I, I can't lie. He's so funny. Well, and I never he's, followed he's, Donald yeah. Trump, but I didn't need to because you, yeah. you no, saw you, him whether you followed him or not. You you could be minding your own business and he would be tweeted into your feed repeat like he would basically say something outrageous and then liberals would just go fucking apoplectic over it and then that's all you could hear about for the rest of the day so you don't have to follow him he was just there exactly exactly so you know if you know good communists we all are of course uh you know i i think all of these things should be genuinely the town square but i I don't know do do we trust (laughs) until until we actually get the communist government uh do we trust this government any more than we trust Elon Musk? I'm yeah. not so sure I do. No, I, I mean, no, I don't, I don't trust any of them, frankly. Like, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't trust anybody on any platform, which is why I've always said that you don't do your organizing online. You, you, you use social media platforms to advertise what it is that you're doing after you've done the legwork, but in no way should you ever attempt to do organizing um, on any social media platform. I just, you know, what I really miss is tweets like this. You remember this banger? If Elizabeth Warren, often referred to by me as Pocahontas, did this commercial from Bighorn or Wounded Knee instead of her kitchen, with her husband dressed in full garb, it would have been a smash. Best line in the Elizabeth Warren beer catastrophe is to her husband, thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. It's their house. He's supposed to be there. When I tell you, I... Rina, I <laughs> cried when I saw that tweet. I almost keeled over. It that was not, like no president will ever match that sheer ferocity and energy of Donald Donald Trump's tweets. Okay, my my favorite my favorite tweet is uh, the the Coca Cola company is not happy with me. That's okay. I'll still keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like, you know, here, so here's why I think Elon Musk won't give Donald Trump his Twitter back because he they're both class enemies, right? And they will both hypothetically, metaphorically speaking, get the wall first. But um, he won't let him back on because he is so much funnier than Elon Musk is. And Elon Musk tries is such a tryhard, and and he he's already you know he is already he's not unfunny. funny. He's exactly he's like he's not even Reddit funny. He's just yeah no he's, he's, he's like he's still making I can't has cheeseburger type jokes yeah and it's fucking 2022 so like he he will look even more unfunny as the owner of Twitter trying to trying to be the king of the Twitter space and if he lets Donald Trump back on Donald Trump's gonna put that crown back on and and he's gonna he's okay gonna well outshine him I'm gonna I'm gonna counteract that 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 is true but at the end of the day the material conditions I'm gonna be at Marx <laughs> and say that. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> that uh, that uh, Trump is ultimately, you know, uh, is he's I'm sure he's impressed by Elon's two hundred billion dollars. And I think that uh, if you know if Elon, I mean, I mean, we know we do know that Trump is going to run in the next election, and I would not be surprised if he wins again. Um, and I think you know there could be some like you know they could, this could be a start of a beautiful and horrible twisted friendship between the two of them. So I'm just saying, a billionaire and a wannabe billionaire who want, who was president and might be president again, that could be a dangerous, even more dangerous combination, but also very entertaining. So I don't know, I'm conflicted. Well, it is a small club, and we're not in it. That we're sure of. So, yeah, Absolutely. I, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I hold out hopes for the proliferate, the proliferation. That's a hard word to say quickly. For, uh, for multiple assorted social media sites, but like I say, I'm, I am finding it's really a pain in the ass to try and keep up with them. And you may think you're old, Q. I assure you, I'm much older than you are. I, and I, I actually have, I actually have time for all this bullshit. <laughs> and I still don't have enough time. So, uh, I know. Uh, it, it just makes it harder. You know, I, I wish we could have a town square that, a real town square. Well, I guess. Know, we like we we have not had anything remotely resembling the Greek agora for a very long time. Like, I I would probably say, oh, uh, I'm gonna get such shit for this, but whatever. I would probably say like the closest that we can come to a you know to the agora is uh, right here on Colin and on platforms like Rumble, where you're not going to be banned for you know for going against the political line. Like, if you have some thoughts or evidence on what is happening in Ukraine right now, if you have thoughts or evidence on uh, that, that goes, that cuts against the U S narrative on Taiwan or Hong Kong or Xinjiang or whatever, like you're not going to be removed from these platforms. We're talking about it. So, I mean, frankly, this is the closest that we're going to be able to come for now until we can build, you know, a, uh, a truly principled social media platform. Well, do you have uh, thoughts on Panquake? I have, I have thrown a little money their way a couple of times, but, um, and fingers crossed for that, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not techie and I don't know a whole lot about it, except it seems like there's some good people involved. And I do appreciate that the, the hosting site is Iceland. So I think that, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I'll, although like, I don't remember offhand if Iceland, um, falls on, like, there's the five highest countries, and then there's their like you know their partners. Um, I don't know if Iceland well, falls I, in that. I do remember that Iceland kicked out the FBI at one yeah. point, and uh, also um, ah, lost it. Anyway, yeah, I, Iceland seems like not such a bad place. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, politically, it is. I think one of. I mean, granted, like, you know. I'm oh, gonna... I know what it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they actually threw their banksters in jail. They did. So... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They um, they, they threw them in jail. Uh, they elected a woman prime minister. They, I mean, they actually did what it is that I think Americans would have wanted to see happen, that Canadians and Brits would have wanted to see happen. Um, and their country's better off for it. Uh, so, I, I mean, I have my thoughts on Iceland, but I think as far as their, like, uh, social and economic politics goes, they're way ahead of, you know, the Scandinavian countries that, uh, that you know, Americans and Canadians seem to fetishize so much. Yes, because especially because they're <laughs> they're secretly our our little puppet, our little puppets uh, masquerading yeah. as 
social democracies, I think several of them. Sweden leaps to mind. Well, anyway, I have I have blabbed long enough. Uh, great, great chatting with you all. This is an interesting one today. No, absolutely. Uh, uh, good to talk to you too, and, and uh, thank you so much for dropping by. Um, I'm gonna have to go and look. Thanks, Rena. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, thank I, you. Looking forward to hearing more of your story. I, uh, I'm a very, <laughs> I, Q is just bullshitting. That's all <laughs> I have to say. But he's charming about it. He really is. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I mean, if you have Twitter, uh, I'm Karaoke Computer on Twitter too, and I, I try to host uh, at least one space every week. Um, and, uh, they're, they're ridiculously long format. I'm trying to manage how long they are, but like sometimes they've gone on to like eight hours, but I'm trying to half that (laughs) at the very least. But, uh, the benefit of a longer timeline is we get to kind of like introduce ourselves, who we are, uh, you know, especially if we're organizers, uh, you know, our context and, and, uh, you know, kind of sharing like literally where we're coming from, like geographically, uh, but also kind of like, uh, our, you know, how we got on this road to kind of like a revolutionary political consciousness and, and uh, you know, uh, where we are now. Uh, so I would love to hear that story from you and, and, and many other people in this space at some point. Well, all I have to say is boomers are much maligned and I am a one woman campaign to reverse that. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, like we do a, you know, just speaking to that, we do like a a severe disservice to to our elders, to our kupuna, um, you know, uh, to all the wisdom of of people who are still fighting the good fight, like uh, by by just like throwing them all into this kind of like ridiculous category that was invented by like you know, uh, like uh, ad agency boardrooms anyway, like uh, these, well, these it was, it was the boomers, it was the boomers out there fighting the revolutions, right? So, you know, exactly. some, some of us youngins can have some respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and many of them are, yeah, are still around. And, and uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I got a well, story. I mean, about, like, the thing like, is that boomers have their own class uh, differences. And yeah, there are boomers who are, uh, you know, ruining the world but there are just as many boomers who have and continue to be fighting against that and have even died for it so yeah yeah absolutely i love i love the whole fiction that that all all us boomers are you know rolling in the dough that we've taken away from all you youngins <laughs> that that especially is hilarious no, it's, uh, hilarious. It's, I think what happens is like a lot of uh, suburban neats see their, you know, their grandparents or their their uncles and whatnot, like have these 3,500 square foot homes. And they're like, well, I'm never going to own anything like that. And I think a lot of it is just like class anxiety and jealousy, uh, because you're right. Like there are plenty of boomers that are, I mean, frankly, like they're not going to be able to retire. They can't afford to retire or they're past retirement age and they're still working as Walmart readers. I mean. Uh, I, I don't know. Boomers I, 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 are now the the largest uh, amount of people who are um, without uh, without homes. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, boomers over, I think over fifty five, even younger boomers, are actually a growing uh, unhoused population that are like living in their cars and stuff. And I was yeah. reading about this the other day. So there's a huge. I mean, the whole generational thing, like it's like sometimes I will, you know, I I try not to talk in those terms because I feel like that's really really like it's it's liberal advertisement concept it's not real you know um there are and it's very u.s based too like there are lots of us who grew up outside the u.s um and also um it's racially biased you know and it's there's so many issues with that but people do use those terms gen x boomer gen z whatever like as those there's like a big 
like we're all in this together. But I, I don't have anything in common with a lot of uh, people of my generation. And, and it's all it, class is really where we we really, if anything, have anything in common across generations, not really within generations. We don't have anything in common with, uh, you know, like Elon Musk, I think, is my generation. I have nothing in fucking common with him. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, I agree with that. Agree with that completely. And it, it's just it's just yet another thing to keep people divided. It's and it works. It absolutely works. Like Ukrainian flags, you know. Uh, quick, quick comment, Q. I don't know. I don't know if you saw uh, Glenn, Glenn's Twitter today uh, that he's in Florida and he said the Ukrainian flags are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's that's, on. Yeah, he, that's he's in Florida. Just amazing. He won't be on the show on Thursday. I, I think I'm, I'm not sure if the. Uh, I'm not sure yet if the guest host is going to be um, uh, Michael Tracy or um, Aaron Mate. We'll see uh, which of them has the avail- the availability first. But yeah, like they'd both be great. Yeah, he he yeah he said that uh, you know the Ukrainian flags are just like bananas out there. And uh, I, I hey listen like to each their own I guess. But I don't know why you would just you you'd out yourself as a complete idiot. I. I've never seen somebody with a Ukrainian flag in profile or who like openly spouts, um, you know, Ukrainophilic sentiment that didn't come out, come off to me as just a complete jackass. Um, somebody said something last week that just like resonated so true for me. And that was, you know, communists will read 25 or more books a year only to be called idiots by liberals who've never read more than their Twitter feed. That's, and that's, that's, a good that's line. exactly what I think of when I see the uh, Ukrainian flags. I've seen some wild takes, um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ski daddle because it's almost three o'clock. We, um, but Rena, I mean, please uh, feel free to drop into the rooms anytime. I, I feel like I learned so much anytime that you uh, you hop into the into the call. Good to hear from you, Rena. All right, I like to talk, so there you go. Thank you, <laughs> thanks to you all. It. You too. Take Thank care. you. Shoot, we didn't even get to talk about uh, the impending uh, climate crisis. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we're gonna have to get into that one on Thursday. Um, so yeah, we're we're yeah, we we'll have to figure that one out. Let's uh, let's let's chat afterwards because uh, so uh, comrade Kieran here has uh, uh, just went and got a grown up people job. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll see about what happens with the uh, the Thursday the Tuesday Thursday slot, but we'll we'll figure that out. Um, we'll we'll be back. I'll be back this Thursday regardless, and then we'll figure things out from there. But, uh, Mikey, really appreciate you waking up this early to come and join us. Um, yeah, thanks for having Karen. me. Pleasure as always. To yeah. To you. Definitely. Thank you, Mikey. Uh, always uh, good to hear from you. I could hear the sleepiness Likewise. in your voice. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you started to wake up um, as the time went along. But yeah, yeah. A little yeah, bit exactly. of housekeeping. I just want to get through a little bit of housekeeping, too, before we go. And that's uh, first, um, if you like us, please support us. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash the culture dottv the culture.tv uh and that will allow you to support our group um with as little as five dollars a month whatever you feel that you can contribute if you are not able to contribute that's okay please uh share our patreon um and that not only gets you this uh this call-in show um to make sure that you know we can continue uh doing the show but also that uh you get access to uh, dope podcasts like the, uh, the new Frankfurt school, which is hosted by our comrades, uh, Mike and, uh, Browning. And they basically go through communist theory, psychology, and modern culture, as well as, uh, the video essays that are forthcoming, the 10 minute takes, um, by, uh, by Kartik. 
uh, the uh, the Monday stream and the upcoming Radio Free Davos uh, by our comrades uh, Rory and Stu. So yeah, uh, looking forward to uh, bringing all of this material forward to you guys. Um, any last words before we go? No, uh, uh, no, I was. Yeah, thank you again, Q, for hosting and uh, running the room. And and I will be back. We just need to figure out a different schedule for me, but um, I will yeah. be uh, back. I'm sure at least once a week. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. All right. We'll see you soon. Later. Bye.